Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome back. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I hope you had a great week and that you are so excited about this new year. So I'm glad you're joining in today with this show. And we are really going to talk about the best gift you could ever give. Now, I know that Christmas was yesterday, but I'm wanting to, like, have this gift that you can give be separate from all the other gifts that everybody gets, okay? Because this gift is going to take the people you love into the whole entire next year. So this best gift you could ever give is you, truly. See, we love to give and receive gifts, right? But have you ever thought of yourself as a gift? God loves to give gifts. He gave us his only son as the greatest, most valuable possession he has ever had, and he gave it to us. So do you realize you're a gift? You're, you're irreplaceable. You're completely unique, impossible to replicate, and can never be copied. This means that you are a one and only, irreplaceable, one-time occurring person. No one can succeed as you can. No one can mess up the way you can. So your impact, positive or negative, is yours alone. You know, think about how parents feel while they're waiting for a child to be born. Or parents that are adopting children, they're waiting for that baby to be able to be adopted. So I'm not trying to, like, quote-unquote, pump you up, right, and just give you compliments or accolades. I really want you to realize how very special you are because I want you to act accordingly. See, when we don't think we're special, when we think we're, like, not worth very much, well, we're not going to treat ourselves well, and we're not going to expect very much from us as well. So think about this. It, it, you should be humbled with this knowledge and inspired by it to such a degree, a degree that you've never had to feel in a one-down position or less than or lacking in any way. It's it, just like a dream house. We love it. We fill it with beautiful things that represent us. Then we want to invite people in. So we also want to require that they value 
this beautiful place that we're inviting them into. So maybe you've had relationships that you've let people into your heart, into your mind, into your soul, and they've just trashed everything. And you've had to rebuild the whole entire inner world of you. So I want, I want us to be very cognizant of how much of a gift you are to this world. And that you need to act in it. And not think that you need to compare yourself to anybody else. See, the, the beauty of being unique is that we're unique. So I want you to only compare you to you. Are you the person that you want to be? Are you the person that you're aspiring to be? Are you proud of how you handled whatever last moment you just had? Are you proud of how you live your life? How about what you do um, in secret? Are you proud of that? See, these are things that we want to say, this is how I honor myself. And through that, I'm going to honor other people. <clears throat> so I like this saying. This is from a, a man named Garrison Keller. And he says, a lovely thing about Christmas is that it's compulsory, like a thunderstorm. And we all go through it together. So we are one day out of Christmas. And I don't know about you. I don't know how yours went. I hope it was great. And if it wasn't, thank God that it's over. And we get to really start this new year. So the holidays, they don't have to be, you know, so insufferable. You know, you can bring some of the joy back from your childhood as long as you remember to act like an adult, right? So even if the event wasn't great, you can still experience the beauty of Christmas as you move into this new year. And reverting back to childhood dynamics is really common when we get threatened with familial drama and dysfunction. And, and what I don't want you to do, if, if you do not like how your family event went, or if you didn't have one, right, I don't want you to take that personally. If you can learn from whatever that event was or was not in the way that you wanted it to be, we have another one coming next year. So the main thing, the most admirable thing about humans is they can learn. So when you think about dysfunction and stress, because we're going to talk about stress, um, the, I want you to think about this, this amygdala that we've talked about. The amygdala is a set of small little almond-shaped clusters of nuclei, and it's near the base of your brain. Now, these almond-shaped clusters are, are most active when you experience fear or aggression. So this is due to the fact that they're responsible for triggering your body's fight-or-flight response. So anxiety and panic attacks occur when environmental or emotional stressors convince your amygdala that you're in danger. And this is so important. We've talked about this so much on this show, about recognizing when you're in fight, flight, or freeze. And asking yourself, is this truly dangerous physically? Or am I just hurt or afraid that I'm not liked or wanted? Am I afraid because I think I messed up and someone's going to be angry with me? See, that's, that's an emotional issue. That's not necessarily a physical issue. Now, emotions are physical, 
But there's a difference between, you know, I, I'm, I'm driving drunk, right? And I'm learning how to drive. So I'm in a parking lot all by myself. So if I make a mistake, it's manageable. So I want you to think about the difference between real danger, <clears throat> danger that could actually end your life, and emotional danger. What feels emotionally dangerous to us? So you didn't have a lot of control over the events in your childhood, and the beauty is now you do. So this is why this is so important to recognize that we are starting this year. And if you didn't give the right gift to somebody, if you didn't have time to give a gift, if you gave a gift that cost way more than it should have, I want you to recognize that this is your opportunity to truly be a gift. To really be a gift that keeps giving. And so when we have struggling and troubled relationships, you have to remind yourself that we have three choices. So we either main, maintain the status quo, we don't do anything, right? We try and change something, someone else, or we change ourselves. So assuming that you'd like to work on your reactions, I want to give you some tips <clears throat> as to how to do that. So first and foremost, when you are interacting in more of the holidays, because we have New Year's coming up, I want you to plan ahead. Knowing you're in for kind of a psychological arm wrestle, it can protect you from having unrealistic expectations. And saying to yourself, I'm just believing this time it's going to be different. So we want to use experience as a guide. So make a mental list of three events that are probably likely to occur. You're going to go back to work. What's it going to be like in that environment? You're going to have to hear about what Christmas was like, and we're going into New Year's. So make a list of at least three things that you know are probably coming that you're going to have to contend with so that you can walk away feeling good about how you handled it. And so know your triggers. You know, what, what are the things that trigger you? Is it that you have maybe someone that struggles with addictions and they're acting out at the event? And you know that New Year's is coming up and you're hoping that they don't want to drink, but maybe they're going to do the same thing they do every year. So if that's a trigger, then I, I want you to think about the fact that you need to not be shocked and surprised. See, we have control over that. If I know that somebody is probably going to do the same thing they've always done because they haven't done anything to change it, why am I being shocked and surprised when I see it happen? I need to say to myself, of course that's what they're doing. That's a struggle that they have. Doesn't mean I agree with it. Doesn't mean I condone it. Doesn't mean I like it. But I'm not going to be shocked and surprised. I'm not going to let it inflame my whole internal world and steal from me the event. So know what triggers you. And identify how you think about the trigger. Because that has so much to do with how much it grows. And then I want you to think about, notice what's different. So we, we want to think about, hey, maybe that person did grow up a little bit. I like how they handled that. Or so-and-so apparently got over their grudge against me because they're talking to me. So I'm going to thank God for that. 
maybe so-and-so didn't bring their, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend that usually messes up the whole entire event. Maybe they came by themselves. Well, maybe I want to give them some props for that. So we want to really practice relaxing, breathing, recognizing that if there's no blood, no broken bones, no fire, and everybody's breathing, the rest of this stuff is just painful maybe, hurtful, disgusting, disappointing. But these things haven't ever killed anybody. So the greatest gift you could ever give those you love is to be the best version of you and take care of the one you love. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about taking care of you. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me, and I hope you had a great Christmas. So we are talking about today, since it's the day after Christmas, we're talking about really the gift that can keep on giving, if you will let it. And that is taking good care of you. I I don't know if you understand how Wonderful it is for people that love you to not have to worry about you. I don't think we will ever know what that, that, what that really means to people. That, that I try to do my life in a way that people don't have to worry, don't have to be concerned, don't have to think, oh my gosh, I hope she's okay. Is she making the right decisions? Is she doing her life right? The best gift I could give people is that when they think about me, they just enjoy more of who I am. Not they think about me and a whole bunch of worry and upset and just, you know, stress and and all comes up for them. So when we think about taking care of ourselves, I'm going to tell you the truth. Nobody really wants to. (laughs) I mean, it's it's really not that fun. You know, we we try to turn it into sometimes like, you know, pampering ourselves and, you know, whatever that is. I don't know. Right. It's just not easy to take care of ourselves. It's easier for a parent to take care of a little dependent child. But when we are having to take care of ourselves or take care of another adult because that adult won't care for themselves, this is one of the biggest burdens that we could ever experience. So I want you to think about this verse. It's a famous verse in Psalms 139. 13 and 14, and it says, For I formed, you know, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So, does your soul know that very well? How wonderful it is that God made you? Does your soul feel that? Feel that support? That there's a reason why you were born. There's a reason why God created you. And he's happy that he did. Even if we're not doing things that cause him to be happy. And so this is important. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. It says for his workmanship. We're his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand. That we should walk in them. So what is this saying? 
in, in today's time, this is saying that we, we are made from God. We are his workmanship. He formed us. He created us the same way that Van Gogh paints. The same way that we have amazing skyscrapers that are beautiful to see. Or we have musicians that create music that is so moving and soothing to our soul. And so he's saying, you are my workmanship, and I created you for good works. And, and God did this beforehand. He prepared all that stuff beforehand so that we could walk in them. This is why it's so imperative that you recognize that God was very happy when he made you. And the most amazing thing about that is that God knew every day, every minute of your life that was going to occur before he ever even created you. He already knew. And he still created you. That was one of the most amazing insights I ever had is that, you know, I'm walking out my life trapped in time. And I'm, you know, creating history and I'm looking forward into the future. And I'm discovering it as, it as it goes. And so there's been many things in my life that I am not necessarily proud of. I might be proud of how I resolved them. But God already knew those things. And he went forward with me anyways. So he created me perfectly. I'm the one that messed up the perfection. And he still went forward. So this is uh, this one pro proverb that I'm going to uh, speak to you is very very important, and it's Proverbs eleven seventeen. And he says, "A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself." Isn't that interesting? A man who is kind benefits himself. That what that tells me is that that there's currency in kindness. When I'm kind to me, kind to others, I have more reserves. But a cruel person actually is only hurting themselves. And so John 13, 34, it says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I loved you. You are also to love one another. This is a command. It's a command. Love you. Love others because I love you and I love them. So you are to love you. Now, <clears throat> you, you, you and I both know that l loving somebody doesn't always mean I like them, okay? So let's be realistic about it because I know that for me, there's a lot of things, a lot of people that I love, I don't always like them, and I know they love me and may not always like me. But love is the constant. So the whole title of this show is the best gift you could ever give. This next year, I want you to consider the gift that will keep giving all of the people in your life that care and love you. And that's to care for you. Take care of the one they love. I mean, I think about pets, right? Wow, we really love our pets. We do. Well, how would you feel if you went on vacation and you couldn't take your pet and you asked somebody to come and watch your pet and take care of them and they kind of forgot about it? I mean, I don't know about you, but that's, that's pretty serious. Well, that's how God feels about you and me. 
It's like we belong to him. So he's saying, will you please take care of the one I love? Please take care of the one I love. So self-care is very hard to do. Nobody likes doing it. We would, the majority of us would much rather take care of somebody else than take care of ourselves. And this is why it's imperative that we recognize how powerful it is and the amount of energy that we gain and we garner when we take care of ourselves. It helps us feel valuable. And it causes us to require that other people value us as well. And, and not in a conceited way, not in a um, demanding way. But I'm sure that you, you recognize when you're around someone that values themselves, they're so much easier to be around. They really don't require any work hardly at all. And they really actually spend most of their time being interested in you and caring about you. Because inside of themselves, they are full. They're settled. They're okay. So they're not needing much. So they can pour into your life. This is why it's so powerful if we are those people that are making sure that we can show up to every day that God gives us and be the person that he has asked us to be and to not be unnecessarily a burden to people that love us because we are irresponsible. This one, this one of the greatest, most horrible things that you could do to someone is be irresponsible with something they value. This is Cynthia Hyatt. Join me in the next segment as we talk about the best gift you could ever give. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today, and Merry Christmas. And so today I thought it would be kind of nice if we, you know, I was going to do this before Christmas, because the title of this show is The Best Gift You Could Ever Give. But I thought, you know, I'm going to do it after Christmas, because that way I can make sure that you are really hearing this show as not something you go out and buy and give to somebody. The gift that I'm wanting you to give the people that you love in your life is that you care for you so they don't have to. That you value you enough that they can rest at night and when they think about you, they don't have to think about worry. That you're on top of your own game. And that means that if you do need help, it's legitimate. And I'll tell you what, people will want to help you as much as they possibly can. If you're taking good care of you and something inevitable happens that you have no control over, <clears throat> people are going to be much more willing to want to help you than if it's because of your responsibility. So there's this story about this woman and she said that her mother used to drive around with a car windshield that was so dirty you could hardly see out of it. Sometimes she cleaned it for her daughter. And her daughter didn't understand why she didn't clean it for herself. She could have. She just hardly ever did. She wore clothes with stains on them and pantyhose with holes. 
She let her father condescend to her and blame her for things that weren't her fault. And this woman says, as a child, I never understood why she did these things. I wanted to tell her she deserved better. And she goes on to say, now that I'm an adult, I see myself doing some many similar things. I make promises to myself about taking care of my space and myself, and I break the promises, sometimes that very next day. She says, in some cases, I know exactly what I need to do to be healthier and happier, and yet I sit there doing nothing. It's so maddening. I want to do better. But there seems to be some force inside of me that wants me to fail. So, here's what begs the question. Why? Why is it so hard to take good care of ourselves? Well, let me talk to you about this. Because there are some very specific concrete reasons why it is tough to take care of ourselves, And the first one is usually that we think self-care isn't really that important. See, our bodies and our souls, they seem pretty resilient. I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, my, my body is, I, I can't believe sometimes that my body bounces back like it does. And so, it, our, you know, our bodies, our souls are, are resilient. And so we can neglect ourselves for a long time without really realizing that it's been breaking down. So sometimes we treat ourselves like an entertainment center, right? With a trash can in the middle, <laughs> we seem to be able to do that without impunity. It's like it's not having any effect until it does. So we don't realize the toll it's taking. But every little choice and action does have effect. And we're just so deep into pain and neglect already that the incremental additions to it, we may not even register until they really add up and become really obvious. So it kind of sneaks up on us. And, and, the, and, pro and the problem is, many times other people have been seeing it. They might be saying something. They've been seeing it for a long time. So they're not shocked and surprised when we crash. But we are. And see, we don't realize what we're losing, what we're missing out on when we neglect our health and our healing and our own personal growth. So I think if a person could experience five seconds of what it was like, the potential to, to feel and what they could have and, and what good self-care does, I think people would be shocked and surprised. I know that I usually am. I may neglect myself for a while, and then I really get back on board because I know how important it is. And I know how disrespectful it is to God and to the people that love me. And I'm always surprised at how much better I feel. I'm always surprised at how much it helps my feelings of self-worth when I take care of myself. Because caring for the one that everyone loves really has great benefit. It isn't about self-indulgence. So when I start to think, yeah, self-care, that doesn't really matter that much, I have to remind myself that that's an abuser that's talking. That's abuse. And it's self-abuse to not take care of yourself. And then when we don't take care of ourselves, we, we practice self-abuse, then our, our self-esteem and self-worth really tanks. And then it makes it even harder to take care of ourselves because we already feel so like down in the dumps. We already feel bad. So taking care of us feels like moving a boulder. 
So listen in the next segment as we talk more about taking care of you, the one that others love. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. And we are talking today about being the best gift, having the best gift you could ever give to someone. And that is your own health and well-being. See, when we have to worry about people, fret about people, and watch them do things that we know harm them, it takes a toll on us. And we either have, have to make a decision about are we going to continue to love them that deeply? Are we going to love them from a distance? Because it's too painful to see what they're doing to themselves. So I do want you to recognize that it's not easy. And, and it really kind of goes against just, I, you know, I'm not even sure. It just is a burden. It's one we don't want to carry. For whatever reason, taking care of ourselves does not give us the good feelings that we, that we would desire to have. We usually only get those feelings way later on after we have really established a good self-care regime and that we're really committed to it. And so we don't feel it initially. So why is it so hard? Well, there's a couple of reasons that we've discovered as to why it's so hard to take care of yourself. One, we think that self-care isn't really that important, right? And we talked about this in the last segment, that, that we just seem pretty resilient as people. And so we can get lazy and just neglect ourselves for a long time and before it ever really shows up. And I know myself, I have been guilty of that, where I did not take good care of myself. And because nothing really bad was happening, I didn't really think it was that big of a deal until it was. Because we don't realize the toll it's taking. See, every little choice and action does have effect. And so it becomes so habitual and so common that we start to ignore a lot of the feelings, a lot of the pain, a lot of the, the stress that we are enduring because of not caring for ourselves. But we've come to know it so well, we just kind of ignore it. We also don't realize what we're losing and what we're missing out on when we neglect our own health and healing and growth. See, if we could understand our potential and what God really has intended for us, what he's designed us for, the things he has for us, it's almost like the little kid that goes to the Christmas party and has 25 gifts for him under the tree and only opens one. And this is, how, this is how God feels. He's like, I have so much more for you if you would just care for you. And see, there's also this, this feeling that, that it's in, and it's quite insidious, that, that it's not that important, that I'm not that important, that I don't really deserve all that attention. So to say that self-care doesn't matter, that again is abusive language. That's like what abusers would say. And when we keep repeating it to ourselves, we, we, then, we then endure emotional injury, which makes it even harder to care for ourselves. 
imagine, imagine the person that was in a terrible car accident and the ambulance rushes them to the hospital. They get put into a hospital bed and then they're told to take care of themselves. Well, that's unrealistic. That's ridiculous. But what we want to discover is how they got here to begin with. Was it their fault? Were they neglectful? Did they not take care of their car and their car broke down right in front of another car and the car smashed right into them? So how did this breakdown occur? And so low self-worth is this feeling that our own health and our own growth and, and our own healing does not matter. And this is just not true. It's just not true. And this is why it's important for you to really change the language in your head, in your heart. That you, you need to stop saying to yourself, it doesn't matter. Or nobody's going to ever really notice. Or who even cares anyways? What difference does it make? That kind of talk continues to cause you to be less and less of who you know God has intended for you to be. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you've given up on that. Maybe you think you don't really matter. But that's not the case. That is a false feeling. You do matter. So maybe you've been told that self-care is selfish. I don't know. It's kind of ridiculous. It's a lot more selfish to not take care of yourself because then it puts a lot more burden on other people. So in my office, I many times tell people, you know, that, that's, that's a great way to give yourself an excuse to not do something that you know you should do. Self-care is never selfish. Self-indulgence, that might be. And see, what I want you to think about is not taking care of you is an indulgence. It's the easy way to go. Taking care of you is an adult process. It requires the fact that I'm doing things I probably don't want to do, but I know it's the right thing to do. And I know it will benefit me down the road. And it will cause my life to be more smooth and to work out better. So this is, this is a lot of manipulation when we say to ourselves, oh, self-care is just really selfish. See, not only does it imply that you have low self-worth, but it makes you feel really guilty. Again, it's abusive talk. So self-care equals self-responsibility, not selfishness. So if you've distorted your concept of self-care to mean you disregard other people, your relationships, or the environment, and the process, that is selfish. That's not what self-care is. See, if every person on the planet how many times have I said this to you? Imagine the world if everybody just took care of themselves. We'd be living in heaven. People would be living their lives fully and responsibly and joyfully without taking away from anyone else. Caring for yourself never takes away from others. It only gives back to them. But abusers like to make it feel that way, like to tell you that's the truth. So you do deserve self-care when you think about the fact that Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. What did Jesus do? He died for you, lost his life in a very brutal way. So how can you tell, how can you tell yourself you don't deserve when Jesus lost his life over you? 
So I know it can be hard to fit self-care into your life. I get that. Time-wise, energy-wise, I'm so there with you. 20 minutes when you do yoga is 20 minutes you're not spending with your kids or you're doing a million things that need to be done or, you know, I, if I, and so we always have this tendency to think that everything else is important, more important than taking care of ourselves. But what you're going to find and what I have found in my own life, if I take care of me, I have so much more energy to do my life and I don't have to think about myself so much. See, if you're driving your car and you haven't managed to take care of it and you have, it's low oil, the oil light is on, the gas light is on, the air conditioning doesn't work, that's a lot more work because you have to think about your car all the time. Is it going to actually get me where I need it to go? But if I maintain my car, I just get in it and drive. I don't even have to think about it because I'm taking care of it. So this is really important that you understand that self-care also can mean becoming much more attuned with your real needs and desires, your true self. And you really begin to maybe know better who you are. And the better you know you, the better you will be able to, to pick careers, partners, friends, whatever it is that you want to do for vacation, because the more you know you, the less you have to like just try stuff out and see if you like it. So dedicating yourself to self-care really means that you matter. And this really can change your life in ways that you would have never imagined. And, and I, want, I want to really make a, a clarification here. Taking care of you does not mean going to the, you know, going to the spa, going to the gym, you know, buying really, you know, special food so that you're only eating clean food. I mean, that's great if you have the time to do it. But that also can be more, and it's in another way, self-indulgence. See, I just want you to take care of you. I just want you to do the basic things. And then if you go into more, you know, like, I don't know, complicated things, that's great if you have the time to do it. But if you would just do water, sleep, exercise, and the four food groups, you will be amazed at how well your body works. Because God has designed it that way. It doesn't take as much as you think. Now, if you want to really go crazy, that's fine. But I want you to start with just the beginning. That you're careful how much sugar you have. You're making sure that you have enough water, especially here in Arizona. That you get enough sleep. That you do some kinds of exercise that help strengthen your bones and your muscles. That you're willing to read things that will inspire you to greatness not just entertain you. And that you don't get all your self-esteem and self-worth out of how you look. See, we may say to ourselves, well, okay, that sounds really good, Cynthia, but I don't know how. Well, again, I want you to know it's not rocket science. I want you to drink more water. I want you to eat enough protein. I want you to do some kind of exercise, even if that's just walking around the block. Anything. Just move. 
Put on a record of songs that you like and dance. Just move. Get enough sleep. So this is really important that we don't think we're going to somehow make a mistake or fail so we don't try at all. And I don't want you to confuse self-care with comfort. Now it is a comfort to our being to be cared about and cared for. But the more self-care I do, the less comfort I need. And I'm not against comfort. I'm, I'm glad that I have some things that are very comforting. I have people that are comforting to me. I have behaviors. I have, you know, a house that, that my husband has done such great work with. But the bottom line is I can't really experience the beauty of comfort if I haven't taken care of myself. So self-care means providing healthy, nourishing food, respecting your body and its individual, individual needs that you do activities, exercise, something, and that you're careful about how much TV you watch. I'm all for relaxing. I think it's a great way. But it can't take the place of your life. So self-care means being truthful with yourself about your own sources of pain and dysfunction so you can work on them. Comfort, many times, ends up just numbing out. So let's think about this. Imagine if the people in your life took care of themselves in a way that they were just always okay. You didn't have to worry about them. You just got to enjoy them. They weren't going overboard. And they weren't just, you know, doing comforting behaviors and self, uh, you know, soothing behaviors. They were doing things that were actually helping them to relax and restore. So I'm so glad that you joined in with me today, and I want you to take this really seriously for this year. Really being the best version of you and taking care of the one that people love. Join me next week as we talk more about this, and have a great week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be